What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Call Her Holy. I'm Laura Eldridge, and we are not joined with Nicoletta in Charleston, you know, gallivanting around town for her 30th birthday, of course. We brought back the one, the only, Queen Shelley, who, if you remember the abortion episode, she is the lawyer boss babe who is also so humble and so kind and so pastoral she's back with us today but we're not talking legal things we're talking stories of grace and i am gonna kick the ball over to shelly because she's gonna tell you a couple things yeah um hey all so excited to be back on this podcast i am personally excited for this podcast today because laura has been somebody in my life that i turn to for advice all the time and sometimes i'm like how has she always been like this like has she always been so mature like so grounded in the word what is going on she just like knows the bible off the top of her head okay wait a second what on I, earth? Promise, I promise i did not know you were gonna say all of that stuff <laughs> no it sounds like i'm like shelly tell me all the great things about myself no, <laughs> no i told her that i had something to kick it off because i think it's important that like we see people like laura and we see people like nico and other people who are really mature in their faith and we don't realize that there was trials and things that got them there so yeah i'm really excited for all the listeners to hear more about your testimony and just your life and how god has worked through all the ups and downs you're amazing what i thought you were gonna say is (laughs) i literally shelly told me this story while we were just sitting here chatting and she goes yeah, my brother walked in today and I was on the computer just reciting the words of a Nicki Minaj song to myself, but not singing them, just talking them. And he was like, what the? I'm literally just telling myself, say what you said. She's got a princess face, killer body, samurai mind. Just like that. (laughs) And he walks in on you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to be a fly on the wall just with you in general. But that blessed me. (laughs) I honestly deserve my own documentary. Yeah. Okay, you guys go vote. Should Shelly have a documentary? No, honestly, Shelly, I would love for everyone to hear your story too because you have been through so much and persevered through so much. And your story is a great testimony of how God meets people where they are and says, your mess is not too much for me and I'm going to make you new. Okay, I'm going to start crying now. (laughs) I love you. Time to flip it back to Laura. Okay, fine. um, This episode is about Laura, just so that all of you know. This episode is about Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is about the things that Jesus did in Laura's life, but we are flipping the attention off of me and back to her. So for somebody who's never shared their testimony before knows what that means, what does a testimony mean? Yeah, it's basically your story of, well, honestly, the story that God has written in your life that specifically points to Him. So, in some ways, it's who were you before you came to know Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus? And what impact has that had on your life? And sometimes for people who came to know Christ early on in life, it looks a little bit different and it's harder to figure out, which you'll hear some of that in my testimony. And sometimes people struggle to feel like, okay, well, now I have to have this perfectly put together. Uh, I was a wreck and then all of a sudden I'm perfect. And that's just not it either. It's simply the story of like, how did God meet you for the first time or slowly? And at some moment you didn't have the Holy Spirit, then you did by believing that Jesus died and was raised to life again. So your testimony is just your story of God's grace in your life. What I'm hearing you say 
is that we are not perfect. I mean, some of us are, but do with that what you will. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so every single person, if you are alive, if you have a pulse, you are not perfect. Unfortunately, some of you guys, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. And then some of you guys are like, I'm really aware and I try very hard to be. I understand you. <laughs> well, so I really want to just jump into it. I want to hear if somebody were to ask you how God changed your life. What would you say? Yeah, I would say that early on, I I came to know Jesus when I was eight years old. I believed that Jesus died and was raised to life again and that he was the only way to salvation. And so in some ways, I was set apart from my friends. There were kids who were asking me to do things that I just I wouldn't be a part of because I truly believed that the gospel was real. I truly believed in the Bible. I would open up this little butterfly journal and write Genesis 1-1. What does it say and what did I learn from it? And flip to the next page, Genesis 1-2. I loved God's word. I know that sounds really nerdy, but I just loved God's word. I truly did and I wanted to devour it. I would pick up a dandelion. Instead of making a wish, I would pray for wisdom as like an eight-year-old. I didn't even know what that meant, but that's where that's <laughs> that's what I would do. Let and the record reflect that Laura's wisdom has blessed me. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. Like I just knew I had read in scripture like that was something to be desired, and so that's what I did. Now, before you start thinking like, "Wow, I can't relate to her at all," I'm about to share with you some of the absolute mess as I was walking with Jesus. So I knew God, like my eternity was secure. There was nothing that I could do to change the way God feels about me. And that would carry me through the rest of my life. Because again, I know Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus. And my story is one of lacking biblical community. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I suffered harm. My story is one of not submitting to any authority, except for like me i am my own god essentially and my story is one of living for emotional highs and lows because that's what makes good country music so you want me to just like jump in yeah from the top from the top let's drop it should i wrap the whole thing <laughs> i would like a little bit of like a falsetto in there <laughs> <laughs> i love it um no i so trusted christ when i was eight loved the lord knew the lord and was quickly thrown into leadership positions, but really didn't have a concept of confessing sin. And so while I'm leading in the church from early on, like uh, leading worship and leading girls, I was kind of like our, my middle school counselor and high school counselor because people saw like something that she's doing is different than what we're doing. So when our relationships and our lives fall apart, we know who to go to. Do you think that that was a lot of pressure? Um, it did become a lot of pressure for sure. It came to a point where I felt like I, I remember a girl saying, you saved me. And I remember crumbling at that because I was like, I can't save anyone. Only Jesus can save. And that's not what I'm in this for. Like, I'm not sharing things and helping people because I want you to think that I'm good. I want you to see that Jesus is good. But meanwhile, again, I was far from perfect. And praise God if your story is one where you are just walking the straight and narrow. And uh, I know, again, everyone has sinned, but where you just didn't have any big veers from the faith. Mine, personally, I had uh, no concept of sexual sin, so started kind of dabbling 
in things that I thought were okay as a young girl, looking to guys for self-worth. Honestly, I was looking at guys to meet emotional needs that only God was intended to meet. And I thought it was fine, but it would get me in a, a lot of trouble later on in life when I would go through a breakup and it sent me on a tailspin from a guy who I should I had no business dating in the first place, kind of fulfilling his job description as uh, this guy who wasn't a believer and, you know, cheated on me, got someone else pregnant. And all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm doing all the right things. And still, this is what I get. So my senior year of college, I kind of just let my hair down. I was like, what's the point? And so kind of pushed physical boundaries with, with random people um, instead of just boyfriends, which neither of those are okay, but would push physical boundaries and kind of, again, just live for the night. And I can see looking back that a lot of that was because of the foundation that I laid early on of looking to guys to be these pseudo saviors, expecting them to be something for me that, again, they were not supposed to be. I also didn't really have a concept for confession. I really strived to be perfect. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like you kind of towed the line between like you didn't want to engage in sexual impurity or sexual sin. So to still fill that need for attention from guys, you just kind of flirted with them and then blew them off. Yeah, I do that. I know that's kind of not starting from the beginning, but I chased two things in life. This is probably an easy way to put it. I chased boys and I chased fame. And I thought if I have those two things, I have everything. I remember my dad kicked me out of the house one time when I was a 13-year-old. Stubborn. I was so stubborn. Like, if my parents are listening to this, I'm still very sorry for who I was as a teenager. <laughs> I'm fully aware that I shaved several years off of your life. But so I remember when my dad kicked me out of the house and I thought, okay, all I need is my guitar and my Bible. And I'm just this moody 13-year-old walking down the street with her guitar in her hand thinking life is going to be okay. I don't need parents. I don't need anyone else. I don't even need a place to sleep. I just need my guitar and my Bible. So I chased boys and I chased fame. I did country music for 10 years throughout my life from the age of 12 to 22. I traveled and played and lived, again, lived for the emotional highs and lows uh, so in some ways, I was really reckless with my heart because I knew at least I'll get a song out of it. And I did. So okay, Taylor Swift. I know, I know. <laughs> I understand her on a really deep level. So I would write breakup songs. I would write just I love you songs. And they were great songs simply because I was being foolish with my heart and, and didn't really understand what it meant to protect it. Really comes from a, a place of low self-worth where I just didn't understand that I have something worth protecting. I have something that God values and uh, God isn't flippantly looking like, oh, that's cute, Laura. At least you'll get a song out of it. He's looking and saying, I never intended for your heart to be broken the way that it is. I never intended to have to put you back together, but I will. And I will be there. I will be constant. And I will walk with you every step of the way, even though you are being reckless with something that I have entrusted you. So anyways, fast forward to college. I am doing this career in country music. I'm also starting to dabble more with sin in ways that I hadn't before. Um, some of that was because I had heard 
growing up, hey, alcohol is really bad. And so I just knew, okay, alcohol is really bad. And then when I tasted it for the first time, I was like, oh, I'm still kind of in control. It's not that bad. And that was the start of a staircase that led to more and more sin that eventually led to getting a DUI and losing a job because of it in college as an RA uh, where I was held to a higher standard because I went to Baylor. So it was a faith college. Sickum. I know. Sickum. Yeah. So I wasn't 21. So I'd signed something saying that I wouldn't wouldn't drink. Anyways, got a DUI, kind of hit rock bottom, but that that wasn't the end for me. In college, I kind of not only just towed the line with sin, just one step after the next, but I also prided myself in being the good girl of the bad crowd and the bad girl of the good crowd. So I loved just having all the friends ever. Enneagram 7 over here. So I would you know, go party with these people and it was fun and I was different than the other girls because I wasn't getting wasted at first or I wasn't hooking up. All the way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, at some points in my life, it's kind of confusing, but at some points in my life, I wasn't at all. And then I would go hang out with the good crowd and it's like, they probably for sure had me on their prayer list because (laughs) they're like, and I love it. I think back and I'm like, where I am today is probably because of the faithful prayers of so many people. Y'all, we got to pray for Laura. I know. Pray for me. Please do. Honestly, I'll take it. Uh, So many people who just pursued me and loved me and they were steady. They were going to church and not getting wasted the next day. That felt like few and far between, but I was one of the ones who was going to church and then getting wasted the next day, but really thought that I was mature. And so that's kind of a little bit. I really towed those lines and enjoyed being part of both. And that's probably one of my biggest regrets in life is trying to have my cake and eat it too, because you really can't get the best of either when you have one foot in and one foot out. And I feel like that's probably a lot of people listening where you have this one area of your life that is just really hard to give up or you aren't convinced that you're going towards something better. And I'll be honest, I hate it when people say like, oh my gosh, there's just no life in drunkenness or it's just not fun. Like you wake up the next day and it's really sad. I'm like, no, it was freaking fun. Like I had so much fun. The difference is that Jesus is better. Like that amount of fun can't compare to the security that comes from knowing I am walking with God from the security and and not from a pride standpoint, but the security that comes from God made me for a purpose and I am fully living it out and I'm not wasting one single minute of it from the security that comes from, I don't need that guy's attention because I've already rested in the finished work of Jesus. I already know that he said, I love you so much that I'm coming down for you. And I'm choosing you and I'm pursuing you the rest of the days of your life. Oh, and by the way, you're worth way more than that guy is treating you. So I'd, I'd prefer that you stop doing that. Um, the security that comes from being surrounded by people who can provide encouragement and they're not shallow friends who are going to leave the moment something hard happens. They're friends who can resolve conflict, who can say, hey, that really hurt me instead of just piecing friends who are going to say, hey, Laura, why are you dressing the way that you do? You know, why are your jeans so tight? Why are your jeans so tight? Yeah, that happened to me (laughs) Uh, for sure. Someone else called me out the way that I dress. And I'll tell you this. I in the moment was like, girl, I'm fine. Like God gave me a God gave me a body. If you got it, flaunt it. 
And it was just completely arrogant. And then later on, I remember coming back to her, probably a year or two later, coming back to her and saying, thank you so much. And I'm really sorry for the way that I responded. Will you forgive me for that? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) And then I turned around to the rest of my community group and said, where were you guys? Like, why didn't you guys speak up? Shoot. (laughs) Yeah. And they individually apologized to me because they were like, we saw it. We just were scared to say anything. And I'm like, I understand that because I'm pretty stubborn. But still, like, this was your responsibility. Like, your job is to be faithful. You can't control how I'm going to respond. And so, anyways, I'm really forever thankful to um, the one girl in my community who who said something about it. Anyways, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent. So, when did your pursuit of kind of worldly things and your kind of half in half out pursuit of Jesus when did all that fall apart yeah that's a really good question so I worked at a summer camp after I graduated college and that was kind of the beginning of God putting something on my heart instead of having this musical career as something that really elevated me because everywhere I went, it was like people loved you, but they didn't really know you. So it was kind of lonely, but it was also very, very fun. So I served at this summer camp just playing songs for young girls, young kids, you know, playing songs and like helping people come to know Jesus. And then I remember thinking that this is so life-giving. And guess what? None of these people here like care about my name. And I barely have cell service. I had a platform at that point. It was really before Instagram was big and all that. But I had a platform at that point and I had little access to it because I was out in the sticks. So God started stirring in my heart then. And then I would ask people, hey, what are your two biggest pieces of advice for moving from college to the real world? And I don't remember what anyone said except for one guy. And he said, one, get community and two, get community. So I was like, okay. He told me about the porch. He told me about the village, which is another church here in our hometown. There's Watermark, the the village. So I showed up to Watermark, showed up to the porch. I was, I mean, wearing the most ridiculous outfit. I'm dressed in pencil skirts, like low cut top, high heels, bright red lipstick. Just like, I'm here to praise Jesus. Um, And also hopefully find a husband, you know. And so uh, looking back, I had no clue that I had no clue what I was worth. And walking in there started a process of God just kind of slowly convicting me of things one at a time. So the first big portion of, I would say, probably full devotion to Jesus versus like half-hearted devotion was my career in music. So again, I'm traveling, I'm praying, I'm at the height, playing, not praying. (laughs) I'm at the height of my- Playing more than praying. I'm playing way more than I'm praying. I'm at the height of my- career in music I have some of the biggest venues booked like some that as an artist you're like oh my gosh I've made it if I get to play at this place and my second album is being recorded and I was reading this book called Anonymous by Alicia Britt Cole and it was about the first 30 years of Jesus's life how they were uh, spent in anonymity and how formative that was for his three years of ministry and something happened when I was reading that book with my community group And I felt like God was saying, hey, Laura, it's going to be difficult for you to glorify me in a career that's self-glorifying. It's going to be difficult for you to glorify me in a career that's self-glorifying, which music is and was at that time. Again, this is before Instagram influencers is before like you can have some kind of fame unless you have like a huge talent that's not 
anything on fashion people, but I thought like, okay, it's possible, but I can't do it. Like God's telling me that I can't do it. So right then and there, I was like, it doesn't matter if I have the biggest venue booked. It doesn't matter, you know, where my career is or if I've already spent dollars on recording another album, I'm done. Like if God says this, I'm done. And so I did. So I, I literally called my manager. And I was like, hey, I'm really sorry, but you're fired. And canceled the rest of my tours like uh, the rest of my tour like hey we got to cancel this i'm going to cancel the recording and i was just completely done at that point and then my identity had to be kind of shaken up because i was always the singer girl and it would hit me when people were messaging me saying hey i really love hearing you play when's your next show and i'm just like or people saying like hey your music got me through this breakup or whatever and i'm just like ah but i knew i i just knew like if it's going to cost me wholeness in my relationship with God, then it's not worth it, if that makes sense. Because it wouldn't cost me my relationship with God, but it would cost some kind of joy and intimacy with God. And so that was the first big thing that I felt like God was asking me to give up. And then there was a series of, of other things. The next thing was um, dating. And then the next thing was drinking. And so I... Um, you gave up dating completely? I gave up dating completely for six months. And I'd been in the season where, where like no one had asked me out. It was probably uh, the best season of your life. Honestly. Yeah, totally. No, it was actually really great. It was really great. I'll be honest. Um, dating is, is Until not fun. Now. Dating, Until now. Listen, dating is not fun. Um, engagement is not fun. Well, they can be. They can, they can be really fun. I take that back. But a lot of you guys are experiencing dating that's not fun. Marriage is freaking fun. I love being married. <laughs> so there's that. So, no, I gave up dating. Um, I really didn't want to. So, I'd already given up drinking. And I was in a place where I just was like, I slept really well at this at this point in my life. Like a rock. And if I was awake at night, it's because, like, something spiritual was happening. And I remember for three nights in a row, I didn't sleep because I felt like God was asking me to do a dating fast, which sounds so Christian-y, which is basically just a reset for your dating life where I had put so much stock in what guys thought about me. I had been through a breakup at that point. I had, I just dated poorly. Did you have a roster? (sighs) Do you know what that means? Of like people I had sex with? No, a roster is like, the guys that you turn to so like theoretically if you had like a it's like a baseball team of guys stop and you have like a roster of like okay this is like my backup guy this is my guy who i'm kind of like emotionally connected with he's not that cute this is the guy who's really cute he's a playboy and so you kind of like put them all on one team and collectively they all somehow satisfy a tiny need of yours oh my gosh no but did you absolutely okay okay no i did have a kiss no judgment to the roster no girls judgment out there. at all no i did have a kiss list at some point like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why and then i did have like a potentials list where i would look around and no like i literally way. wrote it down in my little like prayer journal journal or something <laughs> With, like, Laura, insert last name, like, trying it out. I'll be honest, I'm (laughs) embarrassing. So if you're one of those girls who's embarrassing, I was embarrassing. I could tell you some other stories that you would be like, oh, I am straight up cringing because, (laughs) yeah, I was embarrassing. So for three days, I didn't sleep, and I knew what God was asking me to do. And finally, on the third morning, I just got out of bed another sleepless night and fell on my knees and was like, okay, God. Okay, if that's what you want, it's yours. And so 
just like prayed a little bit more. I was searching through the scriptures and decided, okay, I think six months is the time frame that I, I won't date. In that six months, I can't communicate how much transformation happened. Part of it was because I was starting to have consistent time in God's word as well. I was like re-exploring things that I was forgetting, fundamentals of the faith. I was um, devouring God's word daily. And I would at one point like run away from a guy who started showing me attention because I just, yeah, that's a little bit extreme and awkward. Like I remember being at this gathering and picture like a massive dance floor where everyone can kind of see the center picture. I'm walking through the center and they see another guy walking up towards me. Who's really hot by the way. And I literally look at him, see him coming, turn the other way and don't, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and literally three people asked me, what the heck was that? And it just was like, I can't, I can't like talk to you right now because I'm trying to not date and I don't want to be like, hey, here, have me, you know? <laughs> so I just had to walk away and I just, I, I guess in God's grace, like I took really seriously when I felt conviction about something. The problem in my life is that I stopped feeling conviction about a lot of things. And so Romans 1 talks about how God gives us over to our sinful desires. And when we participate in sin enough, he's like, okay, like have it, have it your way. And I'll be here. Like I'm, I'm loving and I'm, I'm gracious and I'm forgiving, but have it your way. And your heart can get really hardened. My heart was hardened in so many ways, but here, when I was convicted of something, when I was convicted, music is out, it's out. When I was convicted, I need to not date. It took me three days, but then I was like, okay, I'm, I need to not date. And then drinking. And so anyways, for that season, I found peace for the first time that I can remember without having a guy's attention. And it was so liberating. I remember jumping on my bed one day, just like falling back, laughing. Like I feel like I'm in a movie because I felt so much joy for the first time without being giddy about some guy. Like, cause I would do that and just be so giddy about some guy that I wanted his attention and he gave it to me. And then I would have the same level of heartbreak when he stops giving it to me. So anyways, have you seen the meme where it's like this girl who's asleep and she's like sleeping really soundly. And then it says, um, how I sleep at night when nobody's son is stressing me out. Yes. <laughs> I think I share it honestly every single time that I see it because it just makes me laugh so hard because it's like I don't think we realize in dating and in singleness how much of our energy we give to like these very temporary guys that are just like I mean I could go through my phone and just count maybe in the hundreds of guys that I've had random talking phases with here or there over oh, the last 15 yeah. years you know and it's like Wait, is that right? Yeah, I probably started dating when I was 12. So that's probably actually yeah. pretty right. <laughs> Sadly. But um, yeah, no, I think that that like whole idea of a dating fast, like probably 10 years ago or even five years ago, two years ago, if you said that to me, I would have been like, no way, you're crazy. But I think it really is more of just like removing the things that take away peace and like your ability to connect with the Lord and yeah. heal from certain things. Yeah, you don't realize how much of your energy, like you said, is being drained, is being sucked. But again, I loved it. I lived for the emotional highs and the emotional lows. And so it was weird for me at first. Were having the having of- stability is like, wait, this feels off. You know what? A lot of people do this in relationships. It's like a psychological thing where they create drama because that's what they're used to. Yeah, relatable. Yeah. 
where that's their normal. So when things feel steady, it feels off. Yeah. Um, were you the kind of girl too, like when you were dating that when you met a guy, you'd be like, text your girls and be like, oh my gosh, I think I just met my husband. Absolutely. How many times do you think you did that? Uh, several. <laughs> several and it was different with colby i did it too but it went in a different way i was like it's on i literally called my best friend and said it's on because i knew at that point like we had both been through things we both trusted each other we both enjoyed each other it it just we had a level of respect for each other that we had just never thought of it before and then i was just like it's it's on when he asked me for a protein shake, I can tell that story a different day. It's true love. <laughs> I can tell that story a different day. But So when you look back on the things that you've shared and the kind of trials and different things that you've gone through, the different waiting seasons, like you talked about being single, working at a church for, I think, six years, all those different things that if I were to just meet you today, I would think, oh, she's never gone through anything. Like she's this like super strong Christian who like, recites a bible verse off the top of her head like just kind of she just showed up here and poof she is like living this like great life with a husband who loves her and a child who's amazing and all these different things so how can you see god having worked in your past to bring you the faith and the kind of fulfillment and steadiness that you feel now that's a really good question i'd say a couple things First, I posted something on social years ago, and I still remember it because it was impactful for me personally. It was, if you see any maturity in me, it's because I've experienced great pain. I had walked with God. What I didn't share really previously is that I'd walked with God through a lot of pain, through a lot of heartbreak from people in not my immediate, but like further family betraying, um, learning things about Uh, leaders who were close to me having hidden lives just a general lack of trust in guys I had been heartbroken from loss I had been heartbroken from feeling unchosen from feeling that people liked me but they really just liked the idea of me you know and then when they had me they were out like feeling the catch and release kind of thing which I of course wrote a song called catch Catch and release catch and release catch me then release me you never wanted to keep me you're a typical guy just looking for the next prize okay I'm gonna need a SoundCloud link (laughs) right now So I, you know, experienced heartbreak from finally dating Christian guys who were godly and then feeling rejected again. And from being faithful and on staff at a church and feeling like guys were overlooking me. And so I've experienced stuff in life. And you got, I mean, I shared earlier, I've been to jail. Like, uh, it's not this. (laughs) She's gone through things. I've gone through things. There's more there, you know. I've just gone through things, some of which I put myself in the in harm's way, and some of some were just life that happened to me. And um, I stand by that. You you grow in maturity when you experience hardship. You can. There's a scripture that says that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And so, when you go through really hard things, uh, one of two things can happen: you can grow bitter, you can grow cold. You can become almost the person who is later on in life and you can tell there's still just this chip on their shoulder from early on. Somebody hurt them. Somebody took advantage of them. And it's really sad and tragic. But they never looked to God in that pain. 
that's the brokenness being put out of joint, a joint that never heals properly, or it can be healed. And in God's grace, I was surrounded by people who helped me take steps towards healing every time that I was heartbroken. And I did this like 12 step kind of thing at my church that walks you through all of your past and helps you uncover patterns of things that have been done to you and things that you've done to other people. It's called regeneration if you, it's in a lot of different cities. So anyways, I feel like God has allowed a lot of healing to happen that led to maturity. And I also came to know God's sovereignty in in places of pain. So every time I was heartbroken, I would come to a place of, hey, I don't really believe God loves me. That's just where I'm at. And I remember that at that point, somebody said, Laura, open the scriptures, like open the gospels. And I did. And so I would be like, God, I need you to show me. This is where I'm at. I felt like I can come to you and just be like, I just don't think you love me. Truly. And then I would read the Bible and find that the miracles weren't just for the thousands. Like they were first for the individual. And I, I just was like, oh my gosh. Okay, you do love me, not just people. Or I would ask myself, why does this happen? And I would, in my searching and in my like groaning, I would come to find in scripture that the peace lives above understanding that it's not in the understanding like the peace surpasses understanding so in what i can't understand and resting there in god's character and god's goodness that's when i'll have peace so i can stop trying so much to understand so i just found these pieces of god's character and then i found um honestly god's sovereignty which has been the biggest comfort the biggest help the biggest hope in my entire life knowing that I can't mess up God's plan for me, that God is completely in control, that every ounce of rejection, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is uh, a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every ounce of rejection was purposeful. God turning someone's heart against me because he had something different in mind for me. I learned a lot about God's sovereignty. So anyways, all that to say, in those times of pain, of desperation, uh, looking to God imperfectly, but learning more about his character, I feel like I am now benefiting from the fruit of that wrestle, whereas it would probably take me a lot longer if I hadn't gone through hard things. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's honestly, it's cool to hear all of that from you because when I text you my emotional ramblings about whatever it is that I'm upset about (laughs) and you shoot out all these scriptures it's because those are lessons that you had to learn yourself at some point Absolutely. and we've talked about this before but Laura always jokes that when she gives me advice it's like her giving advice to herself five years ago yeah (laughs) um and even that Proverbs 21 1 and Something you said to me a couple months ago that really stuck with me is that you said, God is pulling levers you don't see. And I think that that kind of explains your like sovereignty point because it's just saying like there's something happening and there's something in the works, even if you don't understand it right now. Yeah. But he's for you and he's doing things on your behalf that you wouldn't even do yourself because you wouldn't even know. Can, but let me tell you where the, where I got that line from because that one's not an original, but it has stuck with me too. I got that from Kyle Thompson, who is an elder at our church, and I lived with him and his wife uh, for a season. And I would be like, 
Kyle, should I date this guy? Like, Kyle, I like him. What do I do? Just total dad mode. And I just shared. I shared unapologetically. And uh, I would be in Lucina's closet, his wife, at some point, and be like, Lucina, guys don't like me because I'm fat or whatever. I'm, I'm ugly or something. You know? And she's like, you're so ridiculous. But she listened. Um, but I remember uh, going through a breakup and Kyle saying that to me, like, God is pulling levers you don't see. And I also remember before I dated that guy, while I was kind of waiting for him to make up his mind, he said to me, you might get hurt, but it's it's okay. And I am so thankful because I feel like we just think guarding our heart is protecting it from feeling. We think that guarding our heart is building a wall so that nobody can ever hurt us again. And that statement just gave me so much freedom to say, you might get hurt and it's going to be okay. Okay. And guess what? I did get hurt and it was okay. It wasn't okay for a long time, but in the end, the result was righteousness. And right now I am living in the fruit of wrestling with God, of sleepless nights, of having to fight so hard and hearing from people, how are you doing? I mean, I'm okay. Uh, Oh, why? I mean, you know, just Have you ever just told somebody like I'm not doing well? Okay, no, this is literally, I said someone saying, how are you doing? And I basically told her I wasn't doing well. And she goes, still? And I, so I'm like, like yes, yeah, still. Yes. Yeah, okay. Remind me never to tell you anything ever again, but it dragged on. And for whatever reason, something in my spirit knew God is tilling something. God is in the soil right now. And for whatever reason, he's allowing me to kind of be in the depths right now of despair and I don't think he's necessarily pleased when we camp there when we like spiral of woe is me my life is over but I had to fight with my entire life and when I felt like I couldn't fight anymore I had to keep fighting and keep fighting and through that birth a lot of the truths that I now not just flippantly know because somebody told me but I know them now because I've discovered them for myself God loves me Okay, I learned that in Sunday school, but I didn't know it the way that I know it now from being like, God, straight up, I don't think you love me. So I'm going to find this. I'm going to search the scriptures and you're, you're going to have to prove it to me. And yeah, I just know so much about God's character and God's heart from those times and like finding it for myself in, in really, really hard battles. What do you think you would say to the girl who is kind of half in, half out? And, you know, where you were several years ago, just kind of half in the world, half kind of trying to follow Jesus, but kind of not. Um, What would you say to that girl today? Yeah, I would say I know your life, you know, it might be fun and you probably have your pain points too. But what you don't realize is you're wasting it. You are absolutely wasting your life. And one day you're going to realize it and let it be now here on earth before you come face to face with Jesus and you're shook because you're like, wait a second, what was I doing? I was wasting it. Some people, you don't actually have a relationship with God. That's not to produce an element of fear in you, but some people you think you're a Christian just because your family has gone to church or you think you're a Christian just because you do good things. And that's just not what the Bible says Christianity is. Romans 10, 9 and 10 and John 5, 24 and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are great scriptures to go to. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the mouth that one confesses with the heart one believes. Um, So, it's not this workspace face. It's straight up. 
believing in Jesus. However, that belief produces fruit. It produces good works. It produces peace and joy. And if you don't have any of that, then you can you could ask yourself like, hey, am I really saved? Do I think I'm going to go to heaven? And so, yeah, I think it's just you know hearing everything. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, just all these scriptures that just came out of your mouth and all these different things, it can be like really intimidating like yeah, as yeah. a newer believer or as somebody who didn't grow up in the church. Like I didn't grow up in the church. And when I, if I would have heard somebody talk about that, I just would have been like, oh my gosh, this is so over my head. I, I will never be at that spot. And I think it's just cool to hear that there was a lot of things that happened to get you to this depth of faith that you have now. It wasn't just, you know, you woke up one day and, you know, memorized scripture. Like, yeah. it's just been a longer journey than meets the eye. Yeah, something crazy happens when you've lived a little bit of life. And it's that your faith is, I feel like faith is not faith until it's tested. And the book of First Peter would say that. Like, your faith is proven genuine when it's gone through trial. And the same way things get put in the fire to to make gold and silver, they like put it in fire to refine it and make it beautiful. That's what God does with our faith and with us. And so there can be this like youthful naivety until you've gone through things. And then there are also some really mature people who, who know Jesus and walk with Jesus and who don't want any part of the world. And it's amazing. Okay, so I said earlier, like some of you guys probably need a question, you know, am I saved? Some of you guys need a rest in the finished work of Jesus. Like, for instance, I was saved. I was saved and I was just acting a fool and I was missing out on a lot of abundance. I was missing out on the full life that God has for me because I was trying to have both. And for you, go all in. Don't wait for one second. Literally get up right now and get on your knees and say, God, I'm, I'm yours. I'm all in. This isn't going to be perfect. Text your friends and tell them the sin that you've been hiding. Text your people and say, hey, I can't hang out with you right now because I'm trying to get my life together. And when I'm with you, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I love you, but will you respect this boundary for me? Like, do whatever it takes. Have radical devotion because God is with you and God will honor that. And that's what I would say to you. And I would say, I wasted a lot of my life just trying to have both. And really, I was stealing God's glory. I was living for myself, and I had no clue that I was missing out on this kind of joy, on this kind of peace, on this kind of security, on this kind of purpose, you know? Like, it is so much better than any dream I could have chased, any guy who would have loved me, any amount of fame or popularity. I've given it all up before, and I've found that Jesus is better. So... Love you guys. Wish that we could chat more and hope to see you back next time. As always, find us on Instagram at CallerHoly. And if you have been impacted by this ministry and want to participate, we'd love your prayers. And we'd also love any kind of financial contribution that goes directly back into the ministry for recording equipment, for marketing, for hosting sites. You can Venmo at CallerHoly. We love you guys. We're really thankful for you.